0: Hey, good afternoon, or good morning, I should say. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Fintech Fridays. I'm excited to have Narayan Bardwaj from Indicom join us for this episode. Uh, Narayan, welcome. Welcome to Fintech Fridays.
1: Uh, I'm glad to be here, Brian. Um, You guys put on an awesome show. I enjoy listening to it and watching it. So thanks thanks for the opportunity to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to drilling into – Kind of the the loan manufacturing process uh, a little bit, and and, uh, and really kind of exploring some things that we've kind of done some research on together around kind of this concept of the middle office and helping you know bring some efficiencies. But before we do that, let's uh, let's uh, help our audience get oriented with uh, with yourself individually and personally first, and then we'll talk a little bit about. Indicom. So Narayan, uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, yourself, your experience, kind of um, how long you've been in the industry, things like that.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm uh, based in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been living here for the past 11 years or so. Um, I originally started work in India and then in Singapore, where I lived for a long time. Been working in banking for 30 years now. Started with Citi and GE Capital on the technology side. When You know, they were big on the consumer side of the business, consumer lending side of the business, working in global markets, and then eventually moved to uh, mortgages, right, as a more specialized form of secure financing. So I've been here. I've run a lowest company. I've been a part of doc prep companies. Um, My specialization is at the intersection of technology and operations. Um, I'm fundamentally a CPA, so my background is in risk modeling. That's what I started with at Citi. So I think station systems, um, rules management, operations and bringing all of that together with the context of technology, right? So that's what I do. Um because I, I live in Nashville. I love it here.
0: <laughs> I gotta I gotta ask, are you a country music fan?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> Much to the contrary, I'm a blues music fan, so more Memphis than uh you know, than Nashville, but I'll take right. it. Right. Love it. Yeah. So
0: I'm in. I'm in Detroit. Um, you know, we're we're. I guess the. You know, we like to think of ourselves as the the uh, of Motown, right? But uh-huh. big rock and roll history. But uh, I enjoy. I enjoy Nashville as well. I do like. Uh, I like all kinds of music. And what's cool about Nashville is you can kind of walk up and down Broadway, and in in about two hours, you can hear just about every every kind of music that you. 100 oh, percent. Yeah,
1: yeah 100%. And you know, you throw a literally you throw a stone you find a musician in Nashville including yeah. one in our home. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Cool. Very cool. Well,
1: let's let's talk a little bit about
0: uh, your company about Indicom and what you folks do in the mortgage industry. And I think that'll be a good uh a good pathway for us to kind of take the conversation.
1: Sure. Yeah, so Indicom has been around for 25 years now. Um started and focused exclusively in the mortgage industry, we started with uh, digital image processing way back in the day before the whole data extraction and indexing was a thing using technology. We eventually then started delivering operations using our domain knowledge in mortgages. We are about 1,600 people spread across uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, um, Charlotte, North Carolina, and a center in India. Um, we're a US based company and uh, we focus exclusively on mortgages. See, uh, you know, over the past decade or so, what we realized is the knowledge that we acquired in operations, uh, we put that to use using our own technology. So for instance, we started automating ourselves out of the whole income calculation piece because that was a big part of the work that our underwriters were doing. So we came up with a solution called Income Genius, right? You throw a bunch of documents at our Income Genius solution, it extracts data, um, plus it applies machine learning algorithms to index and categorize. And then it also calculates income according to Panny guidelines or custom workflows. So we did that. And then we were also doing a lot of uh, QC and audit and risk management related work. So we built out our own platform called Genius. A lot of the companies have frameworks. Well, we, we start with a framework, but then we actually you know, build that into products. And our products are both internal facing and external facing, which means um, that clients can license these platforms. They can use it as a part of their operations. We run the operations using our own platforms. Um, And then we started offering Pure Place as products in a couple of years ago, we carved out a team for the whole middle office automation because what we realized, and you talked about that a little, and I think it's a nice segue to lean into that too. So what we've seen in, you know, we've seen these cycles over and over and over again, right? We've seen it for like four times now. But every time it's like people are suddenly hit with the surprise. Oh, why aren't we doing that? You know, it's not a surprise. You made money when you could. And it's unfortunate because it is the most impacted industry in, in, in any macro situation, right? So interest rate, it's so closely tied to it. So it's not a surprise. But I think what happens is in the heat of the moment when the volumes go up, people focus on fulfilling those getting those out right and then when the volumes go down then they start to peel back and say now what can we do so the traditional levers that you do what do you do you do layoffs you know you cut down some products and and there is very limited leverage that you have over secondary markets too right when the you know right. when the rates are this way so what we started to see was um so that's on one end right systemically that was a hole that we saw right that Sustainability is not really a theme in the mortgage industry. You make money when you could. You go bust. You go bust. You regroup. Start making money again. That's not how a sustainable business runs, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, especially after the financial crisis, we've seen a number of portal companies and you know mobile apps really break into the whole customer experience piece, right? Which is you could go search for a home online, you know, you could even find a realtor online. Many of these you could even buy online, right, if it's um, if it's no realtor. Um, and then, but when it comes to mortgages, you could apply, search for a mortgage, apply it online. And so you're cruising through digitally. And then after you apply for it, you fall into what I call a digital chasm, right? You fall into a cliff. And then you know you go through 90 days of manual processes, and then oh yeah, we could close you digitally, right? Now we'll pick you back up. So it is this this bridge, this chasm that we saw as an as an area of improvement, and clearly the two tie together, right? Because if you as a borrower are cruising through a digital experience in the front end, and then you get dropped off in the middle, and then have to deal with all analog processes and manual processes. And then, by the way, I can close you digitally, and I can sign you electronically. I can do an e-notarization, and that's great, right? But we've got to bridge that gap. So we started focusing on the whole middle office automation um, as a big theme for us, and we defined, um, you know, middle office to be the whole areas of setup, processing, and underwriting, right? So that's where we saw the biggest inefficiencies. So that's what we focus on. We'll talk more about middle office. But hopefully that gives you some perspective of who we are and what our background is and what is the one area we focus on. We don't focus on a gazillion different things. So, you know, talk to us about middle office transformation and automation. That's the one thing we do, and that's the one thing we do very well. I
0: love it. And and uh, your, the, the description you gave of, of this consumer who comes into this highly engaging, highly digital experience to begin the process and then just gets – thrown off the cliff into this Uh kind of backwards manual analog process only to be put back on the track there, you know, while that's by and large what our industry does through these booms and bust cycles, um, you're, you're dead on that, that it's, it's this bust cycle that we're in now when I think people are going to focus on, um, kind of that middle, uh, office. Cause the way I think about, the advance in the kind of digital experience, um, you know, the one of the first things that was worked on was actually the very end of the process. And then coming out of the last kind of cycle, we saw the evolution of point of sale, uh, upfront consumer experience, tying in to your point, the real estate search experience more into the, into the early part of you know like a pre-qual pre-approval experience and now mm-hmm. now we do have time as an industry to kind of focus on that middle part of the process yeah and there's there's a lot of cool things that have happened along the way to advance it I don't think that um, it's going to be a massive undertaking I think it's more a matter of focus frankly and starting to kind of tie the pieces together so let's uh let's spend a little time in that kind of that middle office um, space, if you will, I think you defined it uh, generally as kind of loan processing and underwriting. So is it fair to say this is the place where we're going to gather information from the consumer? Traditionally, we would gather that directly from the consumer in the form of a bunch of documents, whether mm-hmm. it's A-stubs, W-2s, bank statements, et cetera. And, um, and then we're going to, package that up, analyze the the documents, maybe convert some of the documents into data and then push it into an underwriting process. I think when I hear kind of the the modernization of the middle office, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me, maybe it's because of where I sit here at Finlocker, is this concept of consumer permission, consumer control, direct source data, namely income, employment, asset, credit data that can be you know, ingested directly into a process. Yeah. Is, that, is that kind of the way you guys think yeah, about Yeah,
1: it? Absolutely, you're spot on. And, you know, the scope of what we call, or what we define as the middle office are really the functions of loan setup, loan processing and loan underwriting. You know, loan setup, as you can imagine, has multiple tasks within that category. You know, you start with onboarding the loan, most of it just gets transferred from a point of sale, right? And then you index the loan, you categorize it, and then you order out a whole bunch of services, right? Um, And then if there are any missing documents, that's when you push out to the borrower, you collect them. And then the whole processing area is when you receive the information back, either from the borrower or from the third party, a processor goes through those, they review those, then they identify if there are any missing gaps, and then if there are any conditions they need to raise, that's when they flag. And then you move to the whole underwriting process. See Brian, in, in what you said, what's what's the what's the key takeaway is over the past ten or twelve years or so, with consumer permissioned availability of digital data, that has you know that has definitely taken a leap from where we were ten years ago. You know, so they have uncertainty as we can as much as we can talk about the GSEs. they are actually at the front the forefront of innovation, right? So they right. they were the innovation brain behind this with D one C. So with that, now you have all this data available, but what are we really doing with that data, right? You're using it just to get a weapon warrant. You're not using it to drive up the efficiency of the manufacturing process in itself. So there's direct data that you get from third-party sources, you know, the, the credit data, the income data, and then the assets data, and even the collateral data. But beyond that, there's also another set of intelligence of data sitting inside the documents. Now, 10 years ago, this intelligent wasn't available because the data extraction technologies weren't as mature enough to be able to extract meaningful and contextual data from documents that the borrower submitted or from the third party reports so you have data coming in from both the sources direct sourced which coming from third party reports and third party direct you know xml and json files and then you have data sitting inside pdf reports that could be consumed so what we have done is we have taken advantage of this data to intelligently automate the entire process when we say automation we look at we categorize that into three buckets right one is basic robotic process automation so RPA is anybody knows now but we define it to be any action that a human being takes on a computer right any keystroke any mouse movement that is repeatable that is rules-based and if the underlying transaction is of high volume we can automate that using rpa right so we built out a set of mortgage specific bots or digital workers called bot genius. So essentially, you know, any rules-based repeatable task services ordering, you know, reviewing reports, most of those are pretty standard. And lenders have no reason to reinvent the wheel every time. As much as every lender thinks their process is unique, you know, you're ordering a flood the same way as the guy next to you. You're reviewing the flood for the same things. You're looking to see if the property addresses a match and if the property is in a flood zone. You're identifying if there are alerts in the fraud report, if there are derogs in the credit report. So it's pretty much the same review that every lender does. And if you have a finite number of LOS platforms, your navigation pathways are finite too. There could be some customization that lenders may have done, but those are really the outliers, right? So we identified the common navigation pathways for all these, built out these bots. So if lenders want to automate that, You know, we have a bot genius bots running in production, you know, for hundreds of thousands of transactions that basically automate these tasks that human beings don't need to sit and do. So I call it taking the robot out of the human, right? Because, you know, why do you have to have an intelligent, cognitive human being sitting and entering, you know, data, right? So we've we've automated that. So once you automate that, you're left with the slightly tasks of slightly higher order of complexity, which are rules-based, right? So let's say, reviews, a flood review or a fraud review, right? Where you parse through the report, identify some information, flag conditions, we do those. And then the third is truly intelligent automation where you mash all this data and then you deliver something that's as close to a human intelligence, which is an underwriting decision, right? So we've built out a a product called Dation Genius, which is really an evolution of our own products, Income Genius and Audit Genius. We We were already calculating income according to Fannie Freddie guidelines. And there are four pillars to underwriting. There's credit, there's income, there's assets, and collateral. So, you know, what are the rules that we need to solve for within each of this based on the loan program? So we codified all of that, and we already have all the documents that we've indexed and categorized, and we have the data that we've absorbed from these documents. So we mash everything together and deliver an underwriting relation right? So the whole concept of middle office automation is across these three phases. You know, robotic process automation, there is intelligent automation, and then there's supervised automation. So with this, you know, you can easily automate over 70% of the tasks in the middle office. And not just that. It's just uh, your front office is in sync with the middle office, right? And, the, you know, um, my own experience, I bought an investment property, I think, about three years ago. I applied with a big bank. I get a needs list on the portal online, and I'm panicking. I said, you know, I've submitted all of these. Why am I getting right. this? So And, and you know, and there's a standard email with the processor's name. I call the processor. says, yeah, don't worry about the portal. You know, just call me, uh, I'll give you the latest list. And I said, why do you right. have the portal? <laughs> just to submit information. So that dissonance, digital dissonance between what I experienced online versus when I talked to someone on the phone <laughs> was complete. So that was really a you know, big moment for me to say, you know, how can we kill this dissonance? So I think when you streamline your middle office processes, your front office talks to the middle office seamlessly and you bridge those gaps. So, I mean, that's our, truly our vision Former office, and, and that's how we execute too.
0: So I, I love that, and I and I what I heard, <clears throat> I, I clearly understood the efficiency parts uh, of the of the uh, of what you described. But there's another benefit, in that's customer experience. And so, to your point, with your own uh, example, you you submitted what you thought was everything, and then you see this needs list that basically is asking you for almost everything again. Yeah. Immediately, immediately you're, you're uncertain uh, around the process, which uncertainty in anything is going to lead to somewhat of a negative experience likely. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I love, I love the idea that if we can really get efficient and effective in the middle office, it's going to be able to push better clarity and certainty up the funnel to the consumer, yeah. which will set better expectations and result in better um, results and experience. Yeah. yeah, and then all of that flows to the back end, clearly in the form of a a more uh, again a more certain closing process. But then beyond closing, there's really there's this concept now of of shipping and in in post closing. And all that same certainty that you create up front, I think, pays off in the back end when you're delivering to an end investor.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you say that because um, remember I told about Audit Genius, which is essentially a risk management and a QC platform. So what we've built out over the years is something called as a loan quality gateway, because if you digitize your operations using data in the front end, you could seamlessly carry this through because you're going to verify the same information over and over and over again, right? Right. You're doing a pre-funding QC, you're doing a post-closing QC, then a servicing QC, right? You're doing it over and over again. So we've built out a set of repeatable quality control and automated quality control mechanisms using our platforms where we extract data, but also persist the data that we bring through from the front office and into the middle office. And truly into the backup. so it's literally the full lifecycle of data that we can leverage.
0: Yeah, our our uh, our business, our industry is is uh, we have this concept of check the checker, and it happens mm-hmm. multiple times throughout the process. And so, it's exciting um, to to kind of hear what you all have been focused on uh, to kind of help us in this next you know cycle. So clearly you know, the industry is going to be able to take a breath and get focused and, and start to address some of these middle office of inefficiencies. And we will see another, you know, cycle, right? We're, yeah. we're now originating, we're originating loans with note rates in the five handle and maybe higher sometimes. Mm-hmm. And probably sometime in the next 18 to 36 months, we'll see a a blip down, whether it's into the four handle or even the three handle, which will create Another massive, you know, refinance uh, boom, if you will, and and I think the work that Indicom and others are doing today to address kind of the 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 middle office is going to pay off in that next boom. But but beyond that, I, I, I keep going back to customer experience and customer experience in mortgage. I think is super critical. First of all, the average consumer, you know, is is not getting a mortgage more than once every three, four, maybe five years. Um, I guess the average for a while was seven years, but it feels like it might be more like three, four, or five years, again, depending on the market. And so mm-hmm. if if the experience one had, and maybe your big bank experiences falls into this this bucket, was less than memorable in a good way, the only reason you would go back to that lender again is only for rate and price. That's it. Yeah.
1: You know, I think the the thing that people know but they don't think about much is nobody goes to the market to get a mortgage, right? They go to a lender right. to do two things: I'm buying a home, or I'm trying to save money, right? Yeah, that's so it. If you're if you're if you're bringing in an element of uncertainty, right? Like what happened with me now, that immediately sets off a set of domino reactions. Do these guys even get it? And the first thing I think is, am I going to miss my closing date? Am I going to lose my deposit? That's the first thing I care. I don't care about a mortgage. I care if I'm able to close a loan on time and if I'm going to move into my home, right? Or if I'm going to lose my deposit. The second thing is if my refi Mm -hmm. refi is going to take 90 days or 120 days, and if at the end of the day, if it doesn't go through, am I still going to be spending more money? Am I not going to be able to save money? So these are critical life-stage decisions in the financial life cycle of a borrower, of a consumer, right? Nobody goes to the market to get a mortgage. They either buy a home or they don't save money. So if you screw up on this experience, it's very unlikely they're going to come back to you again. And then you wonder, you know, I send out email campaigns, or, you know, CRM is great. Why aren't we getting, you know, pull-throughs? You know, no surprise. There's this chasm. Yeah. Why don't you bridge that and deliver that holistic customer experience? I love it. Yeah.
0: Well, this has been super cool, Narayan. I appreciate uh, you coming on. This is timely, right? This is a timely subject and topic for Indicom and Finlocker. We recently partnered up on a, on a paper that's going to publish yeah. here very soon that really goes into a lot of detail about that middle office. We hope that folks uh, check out the paper. We'll, uh, we'll put a link uh, to, the, to the paper when we publish the, the podcast. Uh, but look for it either at Indicom's website. You can come to Finlocker and check it out. I think it'll probably be published on LinkedIn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're excited to to get that out there for the industry.
1: Yeah, awesome. And once again, thanks for having me. And I look forward to seeing you in Nashville down for the annual in a couple of months. Absolutely.
0: Thanks again Bye-bye. for joining, Narayan. Thanks, Thank everybody, you, Brian. for coming by for another episode of FinTech Fridays.
1: Thank you, Brian. Have a nice